Hello and welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep. I'm your host, Grace Helbig. I'm very excited to have Kelly Berglund on today's episode. Perhaps you know her from her early, early days in her acting career on uh, Hip Hop Harry on TLC 2006. It just recently went viral again a couple of years ago. You guys might have heard of it, but she's blossomed so much from them. Uh, you might know her also as uh, Lab Rats, Bionic Island, Disney, Classic, Cornerstone, Entertainment. Again, she has graduated from that and is currently in the Stars show Heels, which features one of my favorite uh, types of theater, wrestling. Uh, she, we talk all about all the training that went into her, uh, becoming a valet. If you don't know that term, you'll learn about it in this episode, uh, on the show Heels, all of the actual intensity of shooting a scripted wrestling show during the pandemic and what it's like to graduate from, um, the, the uh, iconic, uh, school of Disney into uh, adult acting roles. And we also get really deep and, uh, she has such a lovely perspective and advice on just kind of the overall idea of growing up, evolving, uh, in the industry and out. So please enjoy this episode of Not Too Deep with Kelly Berglund. <laughs> All right. Kelly, I'm so excited to talk to you. You have such a fascinating career to me. Uh, and I feel like you're in this like beautiful transition spot right now. But I want to talk about like how we got to where we are now. I've been doing some research and you started out in, in dance. Well, first of all, you're from uh, Southern California, from Los I, Angeles yes. area. Mm-hmm. I okay. am. And then we started in dance. Is that where this began? Yeah, that's that's really where everything sort of began and happened for me. I started dancing when I was around four years old, um, wow. took it up as a hobby, and it, it sort of turned into something more. I became a competitive dancer for many, many years, and my mom was a dancer, and then my little sister became a dancer, so it just kind of ran in the family. It's all and in the family, yeah. It is, yeah. We, uh, I guess that's what we're known for, but... Um, <laughs> It was because of dance, actually, that uh, I got into acting. There just happened to be uh, a talent agent at a dance performance that I was doing when I was like nine years old. And uh, she walked up to my mom and said, she's got a great look. You should put her in commercials and, you know, yeah, fun yeah. stuff like that. And, and thus, uh, here we are now. <laughs> it's the, where it all started. The path was laid in front of you. <laughs> exactly. The- do you remember in the competitive dance uh, moment that you had, is it at all similar to what we see in shows like Dance Moms, like those types it's, of... You know, it's actually similar. I think um, shows like Dance Moms lean into the drama of it all. I'm not going to say there aren't moms that could fall into a dance mom <laughs> that category. have some strong opinions about in their real kin life. In yeah, a... I mean it's it's not based on total um fiction. fiction yeah yeah but um no it was I it was such a sense of community for me and it was just pure love pure joy like when I was when I was doing it and the girls were great the parents were great it was it was a really awesome little little thing for me. 
That's great. And we got you into a must, a much less um, traumatizing environment of uh, acting <laughs> in Hollywood and entertainment. Oh, yeah, it was a walk in the park. <laughs> sure. Well, I want to talk about, so you go from doing dance and then we move kind of into, well, first of all, uh, Hip Hop Harry. Um, I'm so glad you bring this up. <laughs> this is I have I was looking up some clips of it and this is kind of like you know a benchmark of uh, uh-huh. how where you've come from in a way for people that don't know can you explain what that is Oh yeah glad to uh, <laughs> Hip Hop Harry was one of the first jobs I ever did and I was about 10 years old um, the best thing to compare it to would be like Barney yeah, which I um, wished I was on when I was a young girl. I was like, these kids are having the best time. I know. It's, I, I mean, a lot of Disney kids started off with the Barney thing, and this mm-hmm. was just my version of it. So it was this big bear, this big dancing, <laughs> singing bear yeah. um, that had this like clubhouse essentially where. <laughs> The kids would come on in and we would learn life lessons through hip hop songs and dance. And um, I'd say it was maybe a little cooler than Barney. Yes, no for sure. To Barney, but <laughs> it was it was so funny. And then it ended up going like viral. Um, yeah. Like in 2020, 2019, I was like, why is this coming back to haunt me? Like out of all the jobs that I did, this is the one that's going viral right now. I just, I could not believe it. It's classic. It Internet. Yeah. I mean, it's ripe for internet to take, uh, to take it and put it on a very bizarre (laughs) pedestal. However, I will say some of the lessons that you guys were learning are timeless and Mm -hmm. helpful to, um, you know, our present day, but yeah, there we go into the Disney world. And so you start working in Disney, which I, I, I question for you at that time, was that like, I booked like my dream scenario? Yes. Um, when you're 14 years old and, um, pretty much all you've ever watched your whole life is Disney channel, Nickelodeon and things like that. And then you end up on a show like that. I don't think it really hit me when I first booked it. I was just really excited that I booked something and that I had an awesome cast to work with. And I thought this character was really cool. And then it wasn't until maybe the first, like once the first year was over and I realized how many people watch this show and Mm. what it means to kids and just the impact that it had. I was like, Whoa, I'm a Disney kid. (laughs) And it was, it kind of just hit me in the face. Um, and I'm very grateful for it. Lab rats. That we're talking about. Yes. And so I, I imagine, I mean, I've never been in a sorority, but I imagine I haven't either. (laughs) I wonder if uh, being part of the Disney kind of family felt like that in some capacity. It did. Um, Another really strong, awesome sense of community um, Mm -hmm. in this phase of life for me. But uh, especially where we were filming, we filmed at Hollywood Center Studios, which I believe is now called something else. But a lot of the Disney shows filmed on this lot. So it felt like a little campus. Like we would see the kids from Jesse all the time and Ant Farm. And like, we all just became this little, like this little college campus. But we were all like so young at the time. So it it did have those kind of vibes. It was, it was fun. Not just that, like physically being around all these people all the time, but knowing just like mentally that we were all part of this little, little thing. And it's something that we can bond over since not many people 
get to do something like this. Yeah. What was, I mean, cause you did it for four or five years. Yeah. Four years of lab rats. And then we did one year of a spinoff show called lab rats elite force. Okay. Which is essentially the same time period that you experience like a, a college education. So it's yeah. like the same kind of like environment of being able to bond and connect with these people and grow together. What was finishing that or like leaving that project like for you? It was really hard. Um, I'm very lucky to have had this job at such a young age. Um, and it took up so much of my life, five mm. years in like these prime crucial years as yeah. a human. Um, so we built this little family and it was a safe space for me and, um, something that I just loved doing. So it was really sad, um, finishing that. And yeah. at the same time, very exciting because doing a sitcom for five years teaches you a lot. Yeah, And you can take a lot from that and apply it to other jobs. And I was 20 coming out of that show. So again, Sue, that's the age where I'm very much looking forward to what's next and what the move's going to be and and where my career is going to go. So it was was a bit of both, but still just, it was sad. It was definitely sad. It's this little, this little awesome thing that's over, you know? It's like a graduation in a sense and also to be doing comedy at that level must have been interesting and I'm sure you like you said you learned a ton about totally uh just like the consistency of doing it yeah I wonder what was the experience uh post-graduation let's say when you kind of have that moment I assume where you're going I want to age up in Mm -hmm. the work that I'm doing like how do you approach that uh, with a bit of panic, really, <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Um, well, it, it was a very exciting time. At the same time, I will say some of my weirdest years I've experienced so far was those few years after mm. Lab Rats, like two to three years where I am still trying to figure myself out as as a human and what right. I want and. Uh, making decisions for myself and not just, okay, this is my job that I go to every day because I have to do that. Now, like, what do I want to do? And separate that from sometimes what other people tell you you should be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I hit a weird few years where um, I, I did a few things. I did a few films here and there, but I still was like, I need the thing. Like I need something to sink my teeth into. And I feel like I'm just not totally getting that right now. And I'm getting older. My time's running out, like just full kind of panic mode a little bit and, um, career wise and just self, uh, just figuring it all out. So, um, it was, it was then after two or three years where I got that thing that was very exciting um, and a little scary, but that was now Apocalypse, which was the show that I did for Stars, mm. which was a complete 180. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but it was that opportunity to finally um, get something really meaty and very interesting and a bit of a challenge. And I was like, okay, we're back on track. This is really cool. But that's the life of an actor. You know, you never really know when your next job is, you can be on a super successful show. And then the next day it's over and 
now what? Like we all go through that no matter what level you're at. And it's always a little scary. So hugely. Yeah. The lack of certainty in so many uh, aspects, but also like, uh, you know, I think for people that don't know a ton about like the insider culture of like entertainment, that it's really possible for you to be stuck in this Disney kind of Mm -hmm. stereotype for so long. And we've watched it happen to various people that to be able to break free, I'm sure, you know, in your private life too, and then on screen to be able to just be given something that lets you evolve as a human and an actor must have been like, thank God. Yeah, it is. It is that because that that Disney thing, it kind of follows you around for a while. And I'm now 25 years old. I've Mm -hmm. been done with this show for years now. And do you still, still get recognized like, as it? I do. And yeah. the only difference is now I'm blonde. And on that show, mm. I was brunette. So sometimes I can fly under the radar, but then people just think I'm Olivia Holt. So, <laughs> which is another Disney girl, which I'm very flattered by. But yeah, I mean, still, I feel like, you know, at least 50% of my Instagram DMs are people asking when the Disney show is coming back. Wow. I feel like I need to politely let them down and say, guys, I don't think it's coming back. I (laughs) appreciate that you love it and want it to continue. I don't, maybe a reunion one day. Um, But yeah, that that Disney thing, it follows you kind of forever. And um, Mm. I had this conversation actually with Avin Jogia, who I did uh, now Apocalypse with because he was a Nickelodeon kid. Mm-hmm. He put it so perfectly that you can't blame people for holding on to this image of you and this this piece of their heart that is their childhood and what that represents, you know, with your character that you played for so many years. But, you know, we all grow up mm-hmm. and uh, the fans grow up as well, just like I do. But I don't mind that people keep that show close to their heart and then that people really like it because that was my foot in the door and I'm very grateful for it. But when I do get an opportunity to um, feel much more evolved as an actress and something that I'm proud of and that I know, I mean, at least I hope fans of mine and people discovering this show will really like because it's a good show. It's good writing. It's an awesome character. Like that's all I can ask for. There's only so much I can control, but I'm very happy with, where it seems to be going and where it has gone. So that's where we're at. <laughs> I I think that's yeah. And it's it's um it's kind of like um accidentally incredibly profound too, because the, I think for people you can get stuck in this nostalgia of a certain era of your life, but we all have to grow and change. And leading by example of kind of like moving on from your character, but recognizing yeah. that it was important in the moment and that it was significant in your life and other people's lives, but also having the confidence and courage to like, you know, continue to grow and evolve. And you're never going to please everyone. There's always going to be someone that's upset about your choices or what jobs you're doing or why lap rats hasn't continued for uh, (laughs) 16 years. So, you know what? It's, I I can only control myself and I try my best. (laughs) Well, in terms of Stepping out of this Disney uh, era, let's talk about Heels, which is so exciting. Um, How do you describe the show to people that are completely unaware? Yeah, so I love to tell people, first and foremost, it's a show about wrestling, but you Mm -hmm. don't need to 
love wrestling, be a fan of wrestling to like this show. And that's been the response from most people. I see a ton of people on Twitter saying, you know, I wasn't super like into the plot and then I watched it and oh my God, I'm hooked. So um, it's set in a very small town in Georgia, Duffy, Georgia, uh, where there are these two brothers running an independent wrestling league, continuing their father's legacy, basically. Um, Some towns have football and this town has... Uh, indie wrestling. So it follows all of these characters within this community, mainly this sort of rivalry between these two brothers, Ace and Jack Spade. Um, And I am kind of the sole girl that is (laughs) within this league, which is cool, a little sad. Um, Mm. But I play Ace's Ballet, which if you don't know what that is, it's the best way to put it. It's it's, uh, in wrestling kind of a girl that will run out with the male wrestler yeah. and essentially be a cheerleader and get the crowd cheering for him and just like a hype man sort of. Yeah. Uh, but also these women know a lot about wrestling and help their counterparts plan what they should do in the match because wrestling is all, it's all planned. Like the storylines are planned and who's going to win is planned. But I mean, those moves are very real and they are taking bumps and it hurts. Um, and the, yeah, the a bit sorry to cut you off i've been watching oh, no, a lot of the um you know the the trailers and you guys yeah. talking behind the scenes and it's it's really incredible to see how much of your own stunts everyone is doing like there's no yeah. camera magic happening like it's capturing it, real it's, actors yeah. doing this and it was hard work i mean that's the thing it's wrestling is quote unquote fake but uh they are, it's like full on stunt performance what yeah. wrestlers do in real life um and we did have an awesome stunt team as well that uh we learned so much from and i have so much respect for but yeah like a lot of the things you're seeing alexander ludwig do in the show uh one of our actors it's it's really a lot of him and he wanted to do it he wanted to do flips off the top turnbuckle so cool. and our director's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, please don't <laughs> hurt yourself. And she's like, I got it, I'm fine. So that's a, yeah, it's a fun little show. It's it's very much based around community and um, real life struggles and and the heart of these characters, which I think my character represents very well. So it's been, it's been awesome to be a part of it. It's really cool. I have gone in and out of being very into WWE. And really? Then, yeah. And so that's why I was like, I want to talk to her about this show. Oh, cool. Because I think people don't realize, uh, like, for the terminology, like valet, like you just explained, is yeah. not what we in Los Angeles understand to be a valet. Different, <laughs> different valet. <laughs> but also that the show title Heels is basically like the terminology is like it's someone that's the villain in exactly. wrestling. I'm glad I, I probably should have touched on that because I was also confused when I uh, read the script <laughs> and saw it was called Heels. I was like, shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No one. Why is it mostly? Uh, oh, I get male? it now. <laughs> yeah, heels are the uh, villains, and faces are the heroes. It's uh, and it's very cool. I, I mean, did you have to do, or did you get into wrestling other than the physicality of it? Um, because it is super theatrical, mm-hmm. and like you're saying, I wonder if your dance background in terms of like choreography helped you in this situation. Yeah, you sort of hit the nail on the head with that one. That was my saving grace throughout this whole thing. I I did have to 
um, not only do a normal audition, but also uh, get in a ring and learn a little routine for the audition for the last step of oh, the shit. audition. Yeah. And they're like, we just want to make sure we don't have two left feet and <laughs> see if you can move your body around somewhat realistically in a ring, <laughs> which is so terrifying. Um, but yeah, it's um, the dance background. Thank goodness for it, because that not only helps with learning um, stunt choreography and and memorizing that, but also like memorizing my lines and stuff. Like there's oh, yeah. um, there's a big moment in episode five where my character gets this big long speech, and not only was it okay, I have to remember all these words, but also how do I sell this in the ring like mm. someone actually would if they went off script, took a mic, and mm-hmm. they were roasting somebody in the ring. So <laughs> yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of research had to be done because it is it, this own its own entity wrestling. It's it's so fascinating, and I didn't know anything about it going into it. So it was really a full on learning experience. And it's theater. It's it's yeah. very exciting. You get invested because at first I was like, do people really get invested in this sort of thing? Even though I'm like, no, you know, it's. And I, I watched, I watched some stuff. I was like, that's really cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm into this. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's mind blowing the audience that wrestling cultivates because yeah. like you said, it seems the thing I love about coming from a comedy background. I'm like, this is so silly mm-hmm. and so ridiculous <laughs> and so absurd and so completely unrealistic but Mm -hmm. because it goes to such an extreme there's something so entertaining about it and then you see these people that are genuinely invested in these absolutely absurd plot lines and (laughs) storylines and it just warms my heart for some reason it's i and again that's another thing i didn't realize till i started to do a deep dive on wrestling what these fans were like and how um passionate these fans are i mean the closest thing i've seen to it is like comic book fans and i would say it's it's on that level almost but the fact that you have these larger than life characters and scenarios like it almost wouldn't work if they didn't lean into it so hard but people performing and the storylines like it that's what makes it so awesome like have you seen these like arenas where wwe happens i'm like this is the coolest shit ever like it has to be this crazy thing i mean i i totally get it so i i get it now i really do (laughs) (laughs) just like disney you've been uh inducted into this new world of fandom it's an honor honor and i i'm trying to live up to it and i'm i don't want to let i don't want to let the people down (laughs) There you go. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, When we get back, I have a bunch more questions for you. So we'll be right back with more Not Too Deep. Hello, listeners. Grace Helbig here wanting to say two things. A big thank you for listening to the podcast Uh, If you're a regular listener, if this is your first time listening, welcome and thank you. And uh, second thing, if you are enjoying yourself here in this not-too-deep world we've built and you'd like to leave us a review, that would be so wonderful. If you can go to the iTunes store, the App Store, and leave us a lovely little review comment. How are you feeling? Good, bad, otherwise? Maybe just good or otherwise would be appreciated. Other than that, enjoy the podcast. Okay, we're back in. You guys were shooting 
during the pandemic, right? Yes. Which must have added a whole other layer of craziness to all of it. (laughs) Yeah. As if it wasn't already a lot to take on. Um, (laughs) We were supposed to start filming this show March of 2020. Spoiler oh, alert, wow. that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, but uh, pretty pretty bad timing there. And we didn't really know what was going to happen for a few months. And then mm-hmm. started the show in August. And I'm I'm so grateful. I just I had a job during this yeah. um this time. And I had this this community. Um, we all loved what we were doing. We all knew the guidelines we had to follow, and we were very committed to staying safe and just making sure this show could happen. So, uh, yeah, it was masks on till the second action is called and right back on the second they call cut, um, shield six feet apart, couldn't really go do anything on, on weekends. So we pretty much just hung out with each other and it was awesome. Honestly, it really, I think it made us closer and, I'm grateful that we all got to do this together, but I wouldn't say I'd want to, I'd want to do it again. <laughs> Season two. Yeah. Fingers I appreciate crossed. that. Honesty. Like that was, that was a life experience. I'm sure. The yeah. Box, but not, a, not again though. You got, you guys got through <laughs> it. You got close. You all bonded in a very specific yeah, and certain way. We've done the bonding now. So I'm yeah. like, I'd love to like, make it a normal filming experience next time. And I think the one thing that really bothered me was that sometimes being around the crew felt so impersonal with masks because the crew, they're wearing their masks 24 seven. I mean, we have to act on camera. So we're the only ones allowed to take our masks off. So So you don't know what half of their faces actually look like. like. (laughs) You piece this image together in your head of what your makeup artist looks like that has been touching (laughs) your face for eight months. And it's the last day of filming and she takes her mask off. I'm like, Wendy, that's what you look like. (laughs) What? So it's it, because, you know, when you're on a set, I mean, the, the best version of a set, it's when the cast and crew get along yeah. so well. We're spending hours and hours together. So much time together. Yeah. But it's, it was a, a weird removed thing. And I didn't get to bond as much with mm. crew members and these people that are putting in just as much time and effort. So that's something, I mean, mainly why I really hope if we go back for season two, like, just you to can get see to know everyone's these faces. Better. Yeah, I mean, and I, I don't know what the deal's going to be if yeah. it will still be like that. I, I know that safety comes first and obviously that it worked and mm-hmm. um, we did a great job at that. But man, it was it was weird. It was it's weird. also, uh, yeah, I mean, that like off-camera element is very bizarre. And then mm-hmm. also to be doing a show about wrestling, which is inherently everyone's in each other's personal space. <laughs> our, but to have, uh, our COVID guideline guy loved that. Loved us being this close together. I mean, <laughs> truly the idea, like the, the idea that you could get this show shot in the pandemic as it was blows my mind to attempt mm-hmm. something like that. But also for you guys as actors to just like be in the moment, but have in the back of your mind, like safety first kind of thing. Yeah, definitely weird. I think it made us all uh, channel our intentions and what we want for our characters and storylines that much harder because we also filmed the show completely out of order, Uh, which is, I mean, more so the way uh, that would go with like a film. 
when you're filming that because of yeah. certain locations and everything. Um, and any other show pretty much that I've done, it's chronological order. Mm. Uh, but if there was a false positive or a real positive on set, that person is out for two weeks. So is Oof. all of their close contacts and our schedule is thrown out the window. And so yeah. we have to pull from episode seven, even though we're on episode three, you know, so it, yeah. it just like scrambled everything. <laughs> so we had to like, we had to sit down with our scripts and say, okay, what is going on? What is the arc that my character um, is experiencing right now? And I'm filming scenes from episode two, seven and eight today. Mm -hmm. How do I get in the right mindset to make sure that that stays consistent with everything else I've already shot six weeks ago? Yeah. So that was, that was weird too. Sitting down with your own imagination and going and like (laughs) mapping out the show in your own head uh, as you see it and hoping that it lines up. (laughs) It was a lot. It was a lot, but I am so happy this show is out in the world. It was so worth all of the work. And I know I speak for the whole cast when we say that we're very proud of the show and took a lot here we are (laughs) i mean i think it's it looks fantastic i and i am truly um i have such admiration for everyone you know really putting in the work to learn wrestling and to make it look really real and not like oh we pull away to a wide shot and we know that these are all stunt people so that part for me and i think for actual like wrestling fans is like going to be a very cool aspect of the show continuously hope you guys get more uh seasons ahead of you so you can (laughs) learn more about the crew um okay kelly i have to get into now the questions that i ask every single guest that is on our podcast there's two of them um the first question is who alive or dead would you most like to throw cold spaghetti at you know, I listened to your podcast and I heard you ask this question and I oh. still didn't come prepared. <laughs> <laughs> I know for some and reason it's a very um, unexpected psychological <laughs> question for people. It's that not they something take- <laughs> you think of when you wake up in the morning. <laughs> but also just to uh, comfort you a little bit that it's understood that this is just who for today might be the answer. For today. This is a que- like an answer that changes regularly. Honestly, like, <laughs> my first thought is going to like anybody in my cast specifically like Steven and Alexander one because they're so good and I have watched the show and I'm mm-hmm. truly like in awe of how well they have executed these characters and the wrestling and all of it that I just want to throw spaghetti in their face <laughs> because I'm like stop you're, just, you're too good stop it yeah um but also just because I feel like I have a brotherly love with the two of them and mm. I never grew up with a brother and I feel like that's something brothers do. So there's they my know. brotherly love is throwing cold spaghetti in their face. <laughs> I also feel like it could be a very feasible wrestling um, plot line. Oh, that's got to be somebody's <laughs> gimmick. Like the, yeah. the flying spaghetti. Like, I don't know. Totally. Totally. <laughs> like, it's like a character that should be introduced season two. I'll just totally. say that that's, that's what my character Crystal does. That's her, Love it. her secret that's, attack. She carbo loads. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. The other question um, is to tell us your worst pants shitting story or, oh my God, what? <laughs> or like a bathroom close call um or emergency situation however you can only use three words or small phrases to describe the event 
So for example, mine is college jogging front lawn. Okay, this is so... I won't elaborate. I will get to my short. Don't worry. There are no follow-up questions on whatever you described to me. Because there is a running joke about this sort of situation. So I'm going to select my words carefully here. Mm -hmm. Um, Road trip, San Francisco. (laughs) How do I tie this up? (laughs) Um... Too many miles. <laughs> Does that? Yeah, that paints a full picture. Do that what you will. Yeah. Um, I'm going to... Maybe gonna, one day I'll elaborate on that story, but let's leave it at that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Um, too many miles. Yeah, that's... Uh, too many miles. That's always how it goes. That's always how it goes. Uh, no follow-up questions. I'll let everyone okay. kind of marinate in that, yes. uh, that imagery. Um, and now we have a section called Deep and Hot where we have a deep question prepared for you um, to answer and then would love to get your hot take on um, a question slash topic that we have prepared for you. Okay. So deep question for you is, uh, is happiness always the goal? this show was called not too deep i know it's evolved we've evolved we've gotten deep okay i see what you did there but also this is not a this is not a question that needs a correct answer this is literally just a question that needs some pondering perhaps and it's not to get to an end or a conclusion but rather to think on i would say overall yes i do believe happiness is a great destination. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes to achieve happiness or to know that's what you want and make decisions based off that. The goal also is to know there might be struggle that comes with that. There Mm -hmm. might be tough choices um, that aren't going to feel happy necessarily but i do think end goal some of these tough decisions that need to be made in your life for the greater good for your happiness because i think self-love is extremely important and and happy mental health and um being in touch with that Mm -hmm. i would say amongst all of that the goal is happiness, true yeah. happiness within yourself and not um, trying to show other people, I'm happy. I'm a happy person. Yeah. It's knowing what, how content you are with what level of happiness you're comfortable with. I think that's, <laughs> yeah, no, I think that, look, we throw curveballs at everyone, but I think that's absolutely spot on, at least in my opinion of answering this question, because I think happiness is, you know, individually defined by Mm -hmm. everyone and so whatever that means to however that looks or feels to you should be in consideration when going for something or making decisions or moving through life in some capacity i mean you've got you've got one life to Mm -hmm. live as far as we know and (laughs) i'm not maybe we have more but (laughs) i think in this life to be happy and surround yourself with people that make you happy and make your decisions and live your day-to-day life with the goal of i'm content and i'm happy is is a very good goal to have so 
Agreed. Yeah. Fully agree. <laughs> Fully agree. You did it. You answered a very deep question. <laughs> um, okay. A hot take. Now, you've kind of touched on this before. We've kind of talked okay. about this. But just uh, your thoughts on being able to evolve artistically, especially um, for someone that gets started in such a, you know, iconic environment that like the hot take on just the necessity to, to want to kind of like grow and change and move out of that. Okay. So what are my thoughts on it or? Yeah. I mean, you kind of like that people uh, would be surprised for me to say, or I wonder if you have felt, um, consciously like the necessity to grow out of, you know, where you started in entertainment, or if it's just kind of natural alongside you growing as like a human being outside of entertainment. I think it's a bit of both. Um, unfortunately, or maybe not, unfortunately, there's always this voice in the back of your head when you're an actor, especially mm-hmm. coming off of Disney. Um, what's next? How are you, right. you going to break the mold in a perfect way? Are you going to do, is your next job going to be a perfect transformation, a perfect next job that we would all expect you to do? And then you have these conversations with yourself, your mm. team, your friends, other actor friends, you know, um, and it's a, it's a lot to take in at once. I think, yeah, like I said before, I think we all grow up. I think the fans grow up. And with that naturally comes jobs where I'm not playing a 16 year old and these people wanting to watch shows, not just about a 16 year old. So, um, I do think it's a bit of both. It's always been consciously there. And, um, I don't, I don't mind it. I, I am very happy with my own personal experience. And, um, I think what's sort of, and I'm sure a lot of Disney kids would agree with me. I think what made us sort of aware was this quote unquote Miley Cyrus moment that kind of branded Disney kids as, are they going to have their Miley Cyrus moment? Like, and we're all just waiting for it. Um, Is it going to be successful or is it going to crash and burn? Yeah. And I, and you know what? I applaud Miley Cyrus for her journey of self-discovery and I have so much respect for her and it's not easy to come out of this sort of thing, especially with what she went through her level of success that not even, you know, I have experienced. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I kind of hate when people use that term, the Miley Cyrus thing, it's inevitable that people um, want to see people fail sometimes or do something crazy, but um, I am very aware of it. I always have been. And I here, here's a little callback to that Mm -hmm. happiness first. (laughs) What's going to make me happy and um, feel fulfilled. And am I making smart choices? And I think I have. So it's to answer your question. Um, Yes, I, it's yeah. a bit of both. I think you seem to have a very grounded approach to all of this for someone that has been so involved in entertainment for so long. And <laughs> it's not an e- like I don't have the same experience, but I'm very, um, you know, very admiring of people that can go through this system and this world and yeah. from a very young age and still continue to grow and change and like want to transition themselves off screen and on. And so mm-hmm. I think it's very cool. And it's, you know, at no age is the learning done. 
uh, for Absolutely. any of our growth. So like, <laughs> it doesn't really matter what phase you're at. I think it, constant evolution is constant. Absolutely. Um, on that note, we're going to take one last break. And then okay. when we get back, you and I, with all of this, you know, blossoming advice, we are going to try to help someone that has a very specific question. So we'll be right back with more Not Too Deep. Okay, we're back in. Kelly, you and I are going to work together to give uh, this listener a little piece of advice. Um, Here we go. We are not professionals, so take everything with a grain of salt. Um, (laughs) This is about moving out and budgeting. So uh, their question is, in relation to moving out for the first time, uh, they're currently in the process of setting up a little townhome and they're renting with two close friends. They're not going to lie. They're a bit nervous about making sure that they can budget rent slash expenses properly, especially since they're finishing up their degree. Uh, They're wondering if we had any new renter budgeting tips or any general advice on living with new people and ensuring relationships don't get strained in the process. Interesting question. Mm. Um, I have a bit of a different experience. I mean, just because of what I do and whatnot, I, I had always lived alone. And I Mm. think part of that is because, um, I sat down with myself and said, what is going to be the best case scenario for me? And I'm the type of person, I think I thrive a little bit better alone. So I just, for me, that was my decision going into it is sure. I could probably find a friend to live with, but do I actually, um, want that. So this person sounds pretty young, right? Like coming out of... I think they're young, but I do think that you making that decision to live Mm -hmm. by yourself is goes in line with what I would tell this person in living with new people is truly get very clear about what you want in this situation. I've lived with roommates in college and out of college, but as soon as I lived alone... For the first time, I never went back to living with roommates. Yeah. And that's the thing is that not everyone can live alone or wants to live alone. Sure. Um, so I'm not saying that's the total solution, but I I mean, my sister right now, she's in college and she has three other roommates. Hmm. I, my best friend lives with someone. And I think what I've seen works best for them just in talking to them is yeah, no sort of muddy waters. And it doesn't have to be done in a weird, strict way. Just simply lay it all out on the table. Communication is key. Totally. Any in relationship. Every aspect of your life. Yes. So <laughs> I think just making that very clear. And I mean, if it was if it was me, I think everyone pitching in equally in terms of helping out around the house is always very, very helpful. And um, just putting in that sort of effort because I feel like if you live with someone you can you can pick up on it pretty quickly whether they have respect for the other people living there or the house totally. that they're living in. And I think um you all deserve to live in a place that feels comfortable to come home to. Mm-hmm. No no weird drama, no tension. Managing yeah, managing so, your expectations about everything. I also think in line with that, in terms of like the budgeting side of things, like 
if you, depending on how close your relationship is with the people that you're living with, if you put everything out on the table and you're like, hey, um, I want to wash my own dishes and mm-hmm. I will probably not be washing yours. And I just want to put that out there or vice versa. Yeah. Like, let's take turns that there's a opportunity to have a conversation about like, hey, is there a world in which we can all save money by deciding to go uh, three ways on groceries or three ways on these, you know, uh, whatever uh, heat and water or whatever you need. Yeah. And just figuring out where everyone is comfortable at what level. I I think that's a great starting point. And then you'll learn a lot as you Mm -hmm. start to live with these people and what that means for you and them. But I mean, that's pretty much my, my best advice to give is just like instant communication from the start is never a bad thing. No one's going to think that you're being mean because we all have our own wants and needs. And if we all get to lay it out and talk about it, then there's, there's no questions later on. I wonder (laughs) if that maps over acting for you that like with a scene partner that like having an open line of communication with each other about where you're going in this scene or what you're doing is similar. I mean, especially with like intimate scenes, that's something that um, if you get lucky to have this scene with a person that's very open and honest and wants to have that dialogue with you and usually an intimacy coordinator, I think laying that all out on the table Mm. is always the best idea. (laughs) I've, I've done quite a few of these scenes and I have had awesome scene partners to do them with. And I, I think a big part of that is there is conversation about it. What are we comfortable with? Mm-hmm. Um, are we cool? Is this is this a good level? You know, so yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, in any sort of relationship, work, love, friends, it's you really can't go wrong with <laughs> communicating with people and being <laughs> honest. Because I've been in the situation where maybe I should have spoken up or mm-hmm. didn't say everything I wanted to say, and it kind of oh. came back to bite me. So. Hundred percent here. Yeah. yeah, that's. I have to remind <laughs> myself that people cannot read my mind yeah. um, as much as I believe them to be able to. Uh, <laughs> they cannot do that. Exactly, um, Kelly. We have reached the end of the podcast. This has been so delightful. Thank you so much for Thank this conversation. You. This was so lovely. Before we wrap up completely, we like to gift our guests um, a personalized horoscope from us to you. We are not Ooh. professional astrologers. Um, but just as a token of our appreciation for taking time and talking to us, Melissa, put it in the chat if you'd oh, like to fun. read it out loud. Oh, I I love this horoscope stuff. <laughs> I'm going to get a kick out of this. Okay. Dear Aquarius, water bearer of the stars, you will be in prime season for self-discovery when the sun moves into your philosophy zone. Philosophies. Okay. Mm. You might discover that who you really are is less heroic pre-Davenport. <laughs> and more sex dungeon Carly with notes of the tiny blonde rage crystal. I see what you did there. <laughs> I was like, whoa, this is specific, but um, still a lesson to be learned. Yeah, yeah. It's stuff to think about. <laughs> Stars are putting it out there. Um, Kelly, where can people find you and find the show and everything that you're up to if they don't already yeah, know? So I am on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, just at Kelly Berglund. Kelly's with an I, for those of you who don't know that. Um, <laughs> Kelly with an I. Um, 
You can watch Heels on Stars. Um, it airs weekly at 9 p.m. on Sunday nights if you watch cable. <laughs> which I do have cables. So I, I am one of the few that I feel like is left, but yes. uh, our show also premieres on the stars app, which is a really good way to get the show and watch it. So um, we actually Great. have our first three episodes out right now, totally for free. I believe you can watch them on YouTube. Um, just trying to spread the word. We, we really want Sweet. people to watch and love this show. So please Hell do. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. If you guys are at all wrestling fans, I think you will find that this is a really wonderful translation to a scripted, more scripted than actual wrestling, mm-hmm. uh, show that really kind of uh, showcases all of the actual athleticism and heart that wrestling tends to have. Um, Kelly, this is so fun. Again, thank you for making time. Thank you. Of course. Go check out everything she's up to, guys. And we'll see you next time on another episode of Not Too Deep. Goodbye. Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. Not too deep. It was Grace Helbig. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated. Producer Melissa D. Montz. Edited by Shireen Lani Yunus. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. And an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music. <laughs>